Welcome to the Power of Investing in People podcast. I am your host, Shay Sparks, Chief Excitement Officer of Sparks of Fire International, where we spark leaders in transition who are unclear, go from fear to fired up about their life and business. And if you wish to talk more in depth about coaching, heart and mind fitness, brainstorming for your business, podcasting, and or veteran resources, connect with me, Shay, today at the Calendly link in the show notes on your podcast platform. And today, our guest is the incredible Robin Jennings. Welcome to the show, Robin. Thank you, Shay. Well, thank you for being here, first of all, and taking time out of your busy schedule for being here. And a shout out, quick shout out to Eric Nevins for introducing us. So absolutely, I'm yeah. excited to dive in. And for those of you who don't know, Reverend Robin T. Jennings inspires the heart and encourages the mind to apply sound biblical guidance for, the, for living a meaningful life in our contemporary culture. Speaking to churches, schools, and nonprofit groups for over 40 years, Robin is a clergyman in the Episcopal Church, has a passion for spiritual renewal and a life of wisdom that he brings to every speaking engagement. So we're going to get some good ones today. <laughs> also, he is the author of several commentaries for the National Bible Reading Fellowship and three books, May You Live in Christ, The Door of Renewal, and the newest release is A Letter to the church and the next generation. We invite you to connect with him at robintjennings.com. So Robin, you just have such an amazing story. I can't wait to dive in, but I always like to start off with the first question of what does investing in people mean to you? Well, Shay, it, it's one of these concepts that I think it's not fluid, but it's flexible from the standpoint of the situation, the context within your working, and be it one-on-one -on -one or with groups, with large congregations, with small groups, with, with staff members. And I think that's really so important. By investing, you find their strengths, their gifts, their competencies, all the skills that they offer, as opposed to, and I'm not going to say a pity party, but as opposed to just get crawling in a corner and <laughs> pulling down the shades and saying, let's take a nap. I think it's really an active word that I've found so beneficial and so rewarding and so important to not only my ministry, but I think to, again, the witness that we give to our faith. Mm, mm, yes, so beautiful. And I love that you use the word witness. Mm. So let's dive into that just a little bit. So okay. let what is a witness and how, how how do you be a witness for others? Well, Shay, you were probably born not at, after Mar Marvin Gaye. <laughs> Can I get a witness? <laughs> yes. <laughs> so you probably don't remember good soul music, but, <laughs> but uh, that's what comes to my mind. Can I get a witness? Mm -hmm. And it's really not a legal witness, obviously. It's also, I think, what's happened uh, in, in many churches and certainly the Episcopal Church, the understanding of discipleship got watered down. Mm. And I think, I don't know if you're familiar with the work of Dallas Willard, that no. name. Um, it sounds familiar, but I'm not sure why. It comes out of Renovare. It's, a, it's 
just an understanding of his witness that came through his his philosophical and teaching background at Southern California, of mm. all places, a Christian live at a mm-hmm. university, a professor. But I was influenced by him because he talks so much about apprenticeship mm. and, and being an apprentice to someone, which is, you well know, in any trade or, or work position of a laborer, you, you want help, you need guidance. If you're going to be an electrician, you want to give that person all the guidance they can get. Same with a plumber, with you name it, the, any kind of a shop. But with all walks of life, having an apprentice or someone walk alongside of you, well, here again, this is where I bring in this understanding of of being a witness and further kind of drilling down into it to being a mentor Mm. and providing mentorship to Mm. uh, particularly this next generation. That's that's where my heart is. So. I love that because I feel like not just this next generation, I'm assuming you're meeting like thirties and under, yes. but even thirties um, and above, I think they need, That's right. they, <laughs> I'm putting in that category no, too. Right. And <laughs> I feel right. like we also need mentorship because at so many times our parents were the generation of from the depression area yes. era. Right. So they weren't actually in the depression, but their parents were. So they brought all of this like scarcity mindset with them and lack uh, mentality. So there's such a huge movement to really expand, really not just their mind, but what God has put out for them. Right. Like God has laid the path down for them to grow. And I think a lot of times people will hide behind um, a title, especially at a church, or they hide behind the church and said, oh, no, you're not supposed to do that because making money or being successful is not really the Christian way. And it's like, no, I don't think that's not how I interpret it. So what is your interpretation on that? As far as not what specifically? Yeah. So as far as someone who is like maybe thinking the church doesn't want me to succeed too much, like Uh, I can just do a little bit, but I don't want to go. I don't want to make a whole lot of money. I just want to make just enough. (laughs) I just want to be comfortable. Sure. Sure. And I think here again is such an important understanding for, for life. And this next generation, the younger people really have an understanding of stewardship and the care of the earth, as an example, mm-hmm. I mean, that they're green. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's where they are, baby. <laughs> yeah. and, and I get it. I understand that as well. I love outdoors and, and my sister was a park ranger. So it's part of our, our family. But at the same time, stewardship, as you well know, has to do with your, the managing of your, oh, not only your treasures and your talent, but also the way in which you conduct your life, that there's some sense of hmm. accountability and mm. responsibility. Um, and where I'm going with this is, is once again, God. And, yeah. And ultimately, that is who you are accountable to. And, and I think that's so important for all generations. <laughs> So yeah. where am I with that? That's that's where I come out with a, a real clear understanding of stewardship that that can be conveyed and lived out. I love that because you're so right. It is about accountability and responsibility. For me, I feel like when we have hit a certain obstacle and we've overcome it, mm-hmm. we almost have a duty 
to continue to grow, to continue to share, continue to help because we made it through. So now it's, that's how we give back uh, to God is to, like you said, the stewardship is to really help our help others, not just help ourselves. So thinking in that arena, take us back to Robin as a younger version of you and (laughs) And was there a time where you weren't necessarily on that path and you hit a couple obstacles or maybe one in particular? Was there a defining moment that got you more into, okay, I need to be a man of faith and walk this or something else? Sure. It's a long, long time ago in a place far, far away. (laughs) I could go there, Shay, but it really was back um, in my later teens. I growing up as a kid, I just play ball. Mm -hmm. That was, that was it. And what kind of ball? Anything, anything, baseball, basketball, basketball. (laughs) road bikes, went fishing, camped. I mean, we did that kind of thing. It was, but anything external anything that had to do with fun Mm -hmm. um, and, and games and sports and competition and all of that sort of stuff. Unfortunately, I was a Cubs fan in Chicago. It's where I grew up. Unfortunately, huh? Okay. <laughs> but it brought me hope. There was always mm-hmm. next year, you know, that kind of thing. But in all seriousness, it was in college. I don't want to say I learned to read and write, but but that was that really got me in a more disciplined way of thinking and reflecting and communicating in ways that I hadn't done before. And Shay, I fell in love. Mm. <laughs> and that too changes the way in which you just want to be a goof off, but now all of a sudden you have someone that you really care about. And that, that sure. does change the dynamic. When we graduated from college, my wife, who was then my fiance, she stayed in um, Kentucky. I went back to Chicago. She did not want to go North with where Yankees were. That was her. She was a Southern girl. <laughs> sure. <laughs> you may want to edit some of this out, Jay, but <laughs> no, but, that's perfect. Okay. But with all that said, I was up in Chicago working at Episcopal Boys Home. I didn't know if I wanted to be a social worker or a psychiatrist or what. The faith was was not real strong at that point, but it was there. I grew up in a church. I grew up in a church family. And, and as an Episcopalian, you have the ritual and the liturgy. But again, so much of that around a prayer book was external. I knew something was going on internally, but I couldn't say what and it mm-hmm. was back in the years in the late 60s early 70s of the mm. oh the the democratic convention and the police riots martin luther king's assassination there were riots vietnam you remember that yeah you want me well, to no going? i don't remember but i i've <laughs> no, heard but, stories yes okay. there were wild times yeah uh, definitely. just like this time i mean in many respects but where i'm going again with all of this is working in this episcopal boys home and I saw you had worked with uh, children of, of, of abuse and autism and all, but this was, oh, excuse me, this was again, a, an understanding that was new for me. I was a little, pardon me, but white kid in the suburbs, grew up yeah. in a kind of happy, comfortable life. Here I'm downtown where the children there were, or they're not children, there were seventh and eighth grade boys that I had that were bigger than I was in many respects. <laughs> sure. They were all from emotionally classified as emotionally disturbed. But who wouldn't be when you started going into their files and their life history and so on and so forth? You know, you just thought, oh, my gosh, these poor kids. However, they were angry. And every day I was in a fist fight, Mm. a fist fight. 
I hadn't been in a fist fight since I was in third grade. You know, now here I am after college and these kids are taking swings at me. And I thought, my goodness, what's going on? It was a Mm. hostile environment. There was an Episcopal chaplain there that I, I would meet with periodically. And here again, the insight for me was I was asking questions one after another. And finally, I think he either got fed up with me or <laughs> he saw something at work in my life. And he said, you know, you ask a lot of good questions. Have mm-hmm. you ever thought of going to seminary? Wow. And yeah. that's where I thought, wow, the light went. I thought, are you kidding? This is this. He's serious. And God, he's bringing God into the conversation. Mm-hmm. And blew me apart for several months. Finally, I called my wife, fiance then. And I said, sweetie, <laughs> what, if, what if we go to seminary, you know? And she said, well, I thought maybe we might go to church. <laughs> One so, step at a time, right? <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. But she was great about it. And we were in love. What can I say? And so interestingly enough, the seminary experience was really our our marriage was built around church and around that seminary Mm. and about around our faith. So it turned out to all be a good thing. That's a short, long story short, but that's, that's what got everything started for me. Well, I love that. And thank you for sharing, because I think what um, is so amazing to me is that you share how these boys back then were deemed as emotionally disturbed. And yet, as we know now, hurt people hurt people because they're hurting. Yes. Right. And so it's like now you can look at them from a lens of empathy, like, oh, my gosh, how can we love on them actually more rather and figure out what they really need, what their basic needs are rather than going in and just like constant reprimanding and consequences that don't work. Right. And I love and, and not to interrupt, but fortunately, it was also and I don't I don't know about today, but it was before guns. It was before, you know, the sure. hardcore drugs. Sure. It's a different day now. Sure. Uh, as far as these kids. So, yeah, we've got work to do. Oh, oh I agree. And and yet. I love how God used that when in that situation that you were in to like drop some wisdom into you from this other person who was speaking life into you. You know, we were talking off camera earlier, how there's sometimes key people that show up that speak life into you when you need it the most. So for our listeners out there, if you are having someone whisper something to you to go, Hey, have you ever thought about this, then doing this, then um, I highly recommend listening to that. So now here you guys are you and your wife, and you have gone to seminary. So did you immediately get out and you started a church, write books, you have a, you have a congregation, like, so what, now what happens? I was uh, appointed to uh, the cathedral in Memphis, Tennessee, which by the way, where Martin Luther King had been assassinated. So Memphis was kind of a mess to say the least. And it was, that was, those were tough times. And all we talked about was being reconciled, being reconciled in terms racially reconciled, but also, the split was so great in the and once again the i think the grief uh, mm. that was part of that city mm-hmm. here again kneeling at that cathedral big old cathedral and i was just a low man on the totem pole believe me and youth ministry and christian ed and things like that but but i really loved it loved the people we had I really enjoyed it my wife and i did at that time we were there but when i was kneeling at the altar there was in marble an engraved Latin statement, 
Hallelujah, Hosanna, which meant praise the Lord. And mm. after a while, I asked someone what that was about. And that actually is what prompted the writing of this recent book, Shay. Mm. Here's the story behind it quickly is yeah. Mother Constance and her order came from New York to Memphis to minister to the poor, the widows, the orphans there around the cathedral during the yellow fever. Wow. Epidemic. Yeah. Are you with me? Yeah. Fast forward <laughs> to our day, COVID. Yeah. Okay. So I'm starting to connect dots in mm -hmm. historical ways, but also I'd like to say spiritual ways because it brought me into James and the letter of James mm. and doing the word. Mm. Not just be hearers, but do the word. And that that's that's I could talk more about the book, but that's what really kind of prompted, not kind of, but that yeah, that passion was still with me 50 years later <laughs> or 40 years later. And thinking back to those first couple of times, those first impressions of church. Well, you're seeing that now, right? With the, the yes. COVID and you're like, yes. oh my gosh. So here was this woman that came in and helped with praise God. So, so tell us uh, more about the book. Like, what does it go into detail about and, and how can we use it for today? Sure. Well, I use James, I say use James, James inspired me to provide this table of contents from the first chapter of James. James is a short little letter to begin with, but James, as you know, is the brother of Jesus. And then you interpret what brother means because that, that can get difficult with academic type people and all of this sort of thing. But is he a stepbrother? Is he a younger brother? You know, can't be an older brother because Mary right. <laughs> Jesus was first, you know, so it gets into all those kinds of discussions. But with that said, he was what I call a living link to Jesus. Mm. Some scholars would say he doesn't have enough about Jesus in his letter. But I say, Jay, <laughs> Jesus is all through it, mm. all through it. I mean, the, the Beatitudes, the Sermon on the Mount, all the sayings of Jesus come through James. So, you know, he was there. I mean, that, I mean, he gets these, these, oh, by the way, the reason why I say, you know, he was there, he, this letter is before any of the gospels, before Mark, before Matthew, Luke, provides the outline, he is a living link to Jesus. And my reason for saying this, again, from scholars, they're finding out more and more evidence that the writing of James, that letter was probably in the early 40s, as far as 10 years, perhaps, after the, the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus. So it's it's very timely in terms of a firsthand account. Paul's letters came shortly thereafter, but this could be one of the earliest, is the earliest letter in the, in the Bible. Hmm. And you go, whoa. <laughs> so that in and of itself is a, is a treasure. And then yeah. using that as a framework, he provides us, I think, with a, an understanding and really a framework that provides a philosophy as well as a, an understanding of our faith that can be conveyed to this next generation. And I can say more about that if mm -hmm. you want me to go into yeah, further please. detail. Well, it, it, it's, it's an understanding of vocation, and that's a really tough pill for this young generation, and I think for many of us to swallow, because again, uh, as you were talking about our parents' generation, they got to go watch, you know, they stayed yes. in the same place for 30, 40 years, 40, and right. got their retirement, got a pension, all those good kinds mm -hmm. of things. 
it's different, totally different day and age and totally right. different with respect to work. Yes. Um, so when we start to talk about vocation, where is God calling you? Well, I don't know. I mean, I'd like to get a job. I'd like to make some money. You know, mm -hmm. maybe the government can help me. I mean, there's all yeah. kinds of questions that are going through their mind. And so this is where the, the I would say, the gift of discernment comes in mm. and becoming aware and attentive to God and what that might mean for you in terms of not you, Shay, but for, for, yeah. for the person that we're talking to. And I think this is what James does throughout his letter. And certainly the outline that I follow in the table of contents, for example, um, along with what I, what's the call, mm -hmm. <laughs> which is what vocation means is to call vocari. But along with that, there is his understanding of prayer and <laughs> He uses this phrase that just blew me away the first time I read it was to ask in faith. Mm. Well, how else do you ask? Right. <laughs> I, was, I was thinking to myself and, mm -hmm. and it's like it, what it's about is pray in faith. Because then he goes into doubting and all this sort of thing. But but that's such an important concept to pray yeah. in faith as opposed to crossing your fingers or throwing salt over your shoulder, you know, like a superstition or a four-leaf mm -hmm. clover or making a wish, you know, this is praying in faith. So your prayer is for real. Mm -hmm. And let's pray. Are you ready? Not right now, you Shay, yeah. but I'm just saying, you know, when you're talking to this yeah. young generation, we're not kidding around. Uh, so in order to pray in faith, tell me about your faith. And so this is where this process of discernment and discussion and reflection really plays a strong role in being a mentor. Mm. Well, I love this conversation for many reasons, but write this particular thing right here about, about your book and, and what you've written it on. So for me, I work with, uh, as I coach, I help a lot of people who are in transition, whether it be from the military back to civilian life, or it's that they've are feeling very unfulfilled in their corporate America life. And they're like, now what? Well, what do I do? Yes. You know, I, this isn't working for me anymore after maybe 20 years. But so is there other things for me to do? And I, I feel like what you're really talking about here is is purpose. Yes. And really exploring. And I always say with curiosity, exploring with curiosity what their purpose is. And what is, and by purpose, I mean, what is it that God is leading you to? And, and so I love that you're, you're, and really, again, this is for all generations. I don't think this is something just for the, the younger generations, 30 and under. I think this is for definitely people who are in that midlife transition of what's that, especially with the great resignation that's, you know, has happened. Sure. So what you're right, this book is so timely. So thank you for, for writing it. Tell us more about it. Well, when you say purpose, that too brings in an understanding of meaning and value and significance and direction. Yes. <laughs> Words like that just start to flow yes. in ways that I think resonates with mm -hmm. someone who is in transition. Yes. You know, not only do I do I need a witness, but I need a purpose. And then once once right. these things start coming into play and also aligning it with an understanding of faith. And this isn't just a North Star 
or, you know, again, I think, and this is where I, I don't want to get political hearsay necessarily, except to say what concerns me with the just the media and the almost excitement over the number of people that now are agnostic or atheist, mm. you know, what they call the nuns. You've heard this before. Not no, in, I have not. Like in a religious order. No, they circle none of the above. Gotcha. It's okay. something like 60% or so are now circling none of the above, as hmm. in no to Christianity, Judaism, Islam, Buddhism, Hinduism, you know, none of the above. Mm-hmm. I'm not religious, okay? And you sort of takes your breath away for a second, but then they'll say, I'm spiritual, okay? What does that mean? Mm-hmm. Because did you know there are a lot of spirits out there, Shay? Mm-hmm. <laughs> there's good spirits, there's bad spirits. You know, now we talk about the Holy Spirit, which is a whole different conversation, but it needs to, we need to say, and by the way, did you know I'm both religious and spiritual? You know, can I be both? And and so when I bring in religion, I want to kind of walk carefully with this, these that are none of the above, but at the same time, the danger of being none of the above, you know, in recovery ministries, um, mm-hmm. the first step in AA, for instance, is to surrender to this power that's greater. Well, if you have no power greater than yourself, then you're just still kind of in your own circle. And right. it's what I call a self-centered life as composed as compared to a, a life that's centered in God or in Christ. And so I'm getting passionate. I know, <laughs> I that's great. It, I love it. You're getting me stir. You're pushing my buttons. And, Perfect. Keep going. <laughs> but where I'm going is you take someone, here's where I get political, like Putin and Ukraine and the evil and tragedy that's going on there, the destruction. Communism, they circle none of the above. And it's not about religion. And so you're going, uh-oh, it's not just Houston, we've got a problem, but this world has a problem. Yeah. If there's this many people that are saying there's there's nothing to believe in. And that's our call. Do you, so what a, I had no idea the statistic was so high on that. Yeah. So do you think now that because they're actually in a really good spot, because they're not claiming anything that maybe... Yes. Maybe, just maybe that they're more open to hearing. To me, I am more in the religion, religion, the spiritual side of saying Holy Spirit. So the here, this I'm spiritual because I want to be like Jesus. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I want to be like the Holy Spirit lives in me. Sure. Right. Sure. And um, I, and I think there's something where you're right. We're at this time right now that we can really sink in and, and speak to speak life into these high statistics of the, of the nuns you said. So, mm-hmm. so is there a plan or ideas or, or something that you would recommend for uh, the believers out there? Sure. There's within this, I think, and, and, and certainly when you were asking about my life, Go back to when I was working in that Episcopal church home and was in a fight every day. Mm-hmm. The vulnerability. Yes. I got a hit in the jaw. So it yeah. stopped me. I had to stop and think, wait, where did that hurt? Right. <laughs> and so that that also brings and opens you up to this kind of conversation that we're having right now. And certainly COVID has done that for so many kids mm-hmm. and uh, so many in this 
what I'm calling this next generation, Gen Z, whatever, how you want to label it. Mm-hmm. But to your point, I think it, it really is important to, and here I'm going back to someone like Ignatius of Loyola and some of the earlier traditional spiritual mentors who really saw the first part of mentoring as being self-examination. And I've got all kinds of exercises and guides and things in this book to go along with it that would help the mentor as far as developing a conversation. It's not necessarily a how-to book, but it's one that but begins to develop, at least, as I say, both this philosophy as well as this witness that we're trying mm-hmm. to provide, but a self-exam where mm-hmm. you're able to you can even start with your day. Yeah. Tell me about your morning. What'd you have for lunch? <laughs> right. And and really go. And and how much did you pay for it? You go from there to, to really getting a little bit deeper and deeper. And then let's talk about this past week, this past month. Let's talk about where you see yourself. So you, you begin to develop again, an understanding of a rhythm to life mm-hmm. and then begin to also discern and reflect on God's movements in your life or the Mm, spirits movements in your life pick up the gospel let's start reading some of the gospel stories a lot of kids just haven't touched a bible i mean there might be something on their screen right (laughs) but a verse or something and hey that's cool but it's not really set within the context of scripture and so to be able to pull out some of these images and metaphors and sayings and experiences that were so much a part of this life of Jesus. It's a gift mm-hmm. for us. And, and so by, by looking through, again, gospel stories and being able to reflect on them together, the Bible becomes real. Mm. Um, yeah. Then you drop in every now and then that's God's word. <laughs> and I go, what? <laughs> it's yeah. not my word. I didn't make it. So right. we're headed into Easter, the mm-hmm. passion. The cross. Oh, that's so mean. That's so ugly. That's so bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But have you ever gone through a bad, ugly, mean time? And so then we can start talking about the tragedy and what evil is. And here again, I mean, we can start being very relevant to these kids and, and talk real. But that passion story, I often talk about how the, the cross gives life to something like trust. Mm-hmm. Without the cross, you, I mean, you follow Jesus to the cross and that cross makes trust come alive, as does it our faith. I mean, he, he goes all the way in a way that just obviously blows our mind, the resurrection. So all this is a way of saying, you take these various movements and apply them to the movements of the individual or to the group that you're working with. And this is where I think spiritual direction begins to take shape, as well as the purpose that you were talking about earlier. Well, it's so true. And I I think a lot of times look at uh, Bible as, uh, especially if they do the King James, like, oh, there's no way I can read. It's like Shakespeare. I don't want to read that. And, And it's like, okay, but think about if you're just telling the story, talk about trauma, transforming trauma into treasure, right? Yes. Like Jesus is the ultimate Yes. Trauma into treasure story. Yes. And, and, and so I think there's 
for me, I'm not called to be versy. If you said, hey, what is your favorite verse? I'd be like, pray about everything, but I don't know what it is, that type of thing. But yeah, yeah. so for me, it's about the stories. That's the nuggets that's really in the wisdom that's in there when you can recreate that. And I was happened to be so completely blessed to be in a, a Bible study where we went through the book of Acts mm. verse by verse for a year and a half. And I was completely transformed in that particular year and a half, because for me, one, we're talking about taking action because we're in the book of Acts. Yeah. Uh, number one. Number two, when um, Jesus came back after he was resurrected, came back to the upper room and he he breathed the breath of fire of the Holy Spirit into great? the disciples. And my whole business and everything that I do is wrapped around sparks because that's my last name. So that's when he said <laughs> breath of fire and I was like, what? What is <laughs> that? Like, I got to find out more about this. And it's like, oh, my gosh, he breathed the breath of fire. And then he's like, go scatter and spread yes. the good news. And so for me, spreading the good news is this what we're talking about right now. What did you overcome? Yes. And how did you invest in yourself? Maybe it was prayer. Maybe it was giving, surrendering. I've been that multiple times. I'm like, okay, God, I'm done with this. You're, this is yours. You do with it what you want, because I can't, I'm not trying to control what you're, what you're doing. Surrender is a huge thing as well. And we can get oh. into, that's a whole nother podcast. We can get into surrender, but it's really about sharing how God has worked in your life. Yes. Yeah. And Shay, when you talk about the Holy Spirit, that is so beautiful in the way in which you just discussed it. Mm. And oftentimes, not oftentimes, but it's happened to me on many occasions where I've worked with different age groups and different size groups, and they're goal-oriented, mm -hmm. results-oriented. Where are yeah. we headed? Where, yep. what, where is this taking us? To be able to talk about the fruits of the Holy Spirit, mm. let's talk about that. As a goal. And then and then here back to your fire. <laughs> there's there really gets some excitement like peace. I can have peace in my life. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> As opposed to anxiety and stress and worry and mm -hmm. despair and all the other kinds of things that people was. So surrender, you talk about that. And I'll leave you with this story, Shay. I, yeah. I worked with a, an Air Force uh pilot. And he had just been ordained and we were in a, a discussion together. And I said, I'm really having a hard time with surrender. And this is not to be sexist, Shay, but he said, well, you're a guy. And he said, we were taught never to quit. Mm -hmm. uh, quitters never win. Winners, winners never, never quit. quit. You know, exactly. That kind of thing. Yeah. So that's what we were taught. And that's that. And he said, and he said, it's true. When you're a pilot, that's what we were taught. And he said, you never surrender to the enemy. He said, in fact, I'd rather shoot myself than surrender to the enemy. Mm. Whoa, this is strong. Mm -hmm. However, he said, with surrender in a, a spirit in our context, it's not the enemy. No. You're surrendering to the source of love. Yes. Yes. There it went. And I thought, oh my God, <laughs> I believe right? you know, it was one of those just really profound shifts for me because now surrender is one of my favorite words when you start talking about letting everyone was saying let go and let god and i thought what do you mean yes. now i get it now i get it 
Well, for me, surrender is about letting go of control. As a hyperachiever society around goals, right? We're like, yeah. oh my gosh, yeah. I have to yeah. get this done. I have to check off all this list. And it's like, but that's also partly controlling. It's a judge in your head going, you have to do all these things. And what if you just let that go, let God and let go the surrender part of it and go, okay, God, what is my next step that you want me to take and and see how different your life shows up. And I've been practicing this for the past, gosh, I don't even know, umpteen years, I'd say probably 13 years and just door after door after door has opened. And I just walk through with curious exploration and ask, okay, God, what am I here to learn? Who do you want me to connect with? What do you want me to know? And just the amazing conversations, the amazing people I've met. And it's why I'm doing what I'm doing now is because I just feel like God does this when you let go, when you surrender. So you can tell I'm passionate about this. So I'm glad we're talking about it. Just listening to you talk, you're aware, Mm. You you become attentive to where the spirit's leading you or to where God might be discovered today. I mean, those kinds of things prior to that, letting go, <laughs> you were filled up with all kinds of other stuff. But exactly. once you let go, you sort of empty yourself out and then fill yourself with that spirit. It's a wonderful rhythm to life. So God bless you, Shay. No, oh, thank you. <laughs> I wasn't sharing that story for that, but thank yeah, you. It's <laughs> no, good. No, that's a good story. Well, as you can tell, I, we could talk for hours. You're sure. an amazing story. I love talking with you. We'll definitely have to come have you come on again. Hopefully it won't be before your next book. Cause I just know you got more coming out oh, of yeah. you. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, tell us, I just have another question, a couple more questions. Sure. And you have such an amazing story already. So what do you want to be remembered for? What would be your legacy? Well, family is been so important and our our kids and now our grandkids it's there's i get a kick out of them there's nothing like it and there's a terrific sense not of legacy necessarily that i'm going to leave them <laughs> all kinds of wonderful things but i think these books i think will be around for a while and also the importance again of our faith and my wife, for instance, has a string of Presbyterian ministers in her background, and she refers to them, and she has their notes and their mm. sermons and things of that sort. That I, I just, again, the, the tradition that is carried forth in, in ways that, let me put it this way, when I grew up, the, the, it's, and again, it's a little slogan, but we used to hear faith is not taught, it's caught. And that sounded so slick and so good. But guess what? Nowadays, kids aren't catching it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's no, it has dropped. to be taught. Yeah, it actually it has, has to, be, to taught. be taught. And that's yep. what we're taught. And you've gone through times of getting taught and had yep. mentors and counselors and guides and coaches and likewise teaching. And that's where mentoring comes in. So what do I want to be remembered for? I, I really would love to be considered a teacher that was able mm. to to inspire and provide some wisdom uh, Hmm. for uh, that. These kids have more information uh, in the palm of their hands Mm -hmm. (laughs) than we ever had in a library. Mm -hmm. I could go into a library and get lost and come out two weeks later with pizza or something and and (laughs) waiting for an order of pizza. And, And yet these kids just push a few buttons and there's the answer. But the information doesn't necessarily translate as formation. And I think this is where, again, part of James, the book, 
being a mentor, witnessing, all these words start to come together around the emphasis on let's help spiritually form these kids so that they're in a position, uh, in a place, and, and have a purpose for their life uh, as they move into adulthood. I love that. So I always say that when we learn something, it becomes knowledge. And when we embody it and share it, it becomes wisdom. Yeah. So thank you for living a legacy right now. Thank you. Because you're sharing your wisdom. So Robin, tell us how, besides your website, how can people connect with you? Are you on LinkedIn, social media, that type of thing? LinkedIn, Facebook, uh, Instagram, all the the social media. And I think, again, the the website would probably be the easiest. Obviously, Gmail, they can uh, get me through that. And I'll leave you with all the addresses and all. And I have a landing page, I think I told you as well. Shay, that has a, a download where they can journal f- free of charge. Mm-hmm. There's no yeah, cost yeah. to it, but th- but it's really a neat journal. I, if I do say so myself, that that breaks apart the importance of vision and then renewal, and then bearing witness, and then ultimately becoming a mentor, mm. and teaching others, passing it on what you've learned. I love it. I love it. Well, Raman, thank you so much. Just an honor. Just so much fun to right talk here. to you. Thank you. Yeah, no, this was a blessing. Thank you, Shay. And before we go, I always like to leave with this question. So what phrase, scripture, or mantra are you living by right now? Well, the probably the, the outer nature <laughs> in Paul's letter to the Corinthians, my outer nature is wasting away. I'm aging. Mm. And I could I could get grumpy and... <laughs> be upset. And I, the aspirin's not far away, <laughs> you know, <it's> like, <laughs> especially in the morning, you know, wake up and you, ah. but the outer nature is wasting away, but the inner nature is being renewed day by day. Mm. And I think that's really the, the verse for me right now mm-hmm. is that inner nature and taking care of that. And certainly that's where writing comes in. COVID as tough as it was verbal, as you know, <laughs> can tell by now, Shay, it got me to be quiet. Mm. And that was so important. Just the the silence, the simplicity that came with that. My kids would call me non-essential. Mm. <laughs> they're great kids. Trust me. They're, 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 they're boys. They're boys. But they would joke with me and say, oh, dad, you're non-essential. Can you babysit today? Or they drop the dogs <laughs> off. And I, right. had to, you know, but what that taught me is, okay, what is essential? And, mm-hmm. and that's what I think these last couple of years have done for so many of us. And it, and it provided me the real, unfortunately for, for so many, but it, it did allow for sl- slowing down, slowing down. And that wasn't bad at all for a guy like me. And just being still and knowing God is God was, yes. a, was a real gift. Absolutely. I, I definitely say the, the, that Holy Spirit, definitely that breath of fire. Yeah. was the refinement time during COVID when I was also deemed as non-essential by the government. And so <laughs> I was I was still and quiet for two months and that was the quietest and still as I've ever been in my life. So yeah, but what I think that's when um, God makes moves. Has a chance to say something. Yeah, that's when it's Hello. time to listen. Yeah. So, yeah. well, thank you, Robin. This has just been such a joy to have you here. So we well, appreciate it. Thank you. And thank you for listening to the power of investing in people. If you enjoyed this episode, because I know you did, you probably took some notes. Hopefully you weren't driving and 
had to pull over. But if you did, we would so appreciate if you went over to Apple Podcasts and give us a, a review, give us a, a rating, whatever you your hearts desire. And until next time, let's get fired up. This podcast is a proud partner of the Heroes Media Group, Lima Charlie Network, and Global Sisterhood Podcast Network. Sponsored by Sparks of Fire International, where we get you fired up about your life and business, and Quest Education. What if you could use the money inside your retirement account, penalty, and tax-free, and use that money to start your own dream business? Our friend Daniel Blue from Season 5, Episode 5 over at Quest Education is so kind to give you, our listeners, their How to Grow Your Money Tax-Free online course completely complimentary just for listening to today's show. We invite you to find out more about their generous opportunity at the link in the show notes. So just imagine the business you could start with your freed up money.